0: You can go online so easily today and you can print out pictures of Brooklyn, if Grandma was from Brooklyn, or Girl Scout Leader or whatever. If you have that on the table in a box, the person can just pick it up and say, Grandma, I didn't know you were a Girl Scout Leader. Tell me all about that.
1: Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and an international speaker on caregiving issues.
2: And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist.
1: And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia.
2: Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two because we all know laughter is the best medicine.
1: And don't forget the wine, Mike.
2: Oh, I won't forget your grape juice.
1: (laughs) I appreciate
2: that. You know, during our caregiving years, there weren't a lot of resources available for caregivers. Basically, a monthly support group meeting if and only if you were able to leave the care recipient to participate. And now there are a number of caregiver resources where you don't have to leave the care recipient. And you can access those resources whenever you have a moment. Things like this show, caregiver education websites, and online caregiver support groups.
1: Um, you're absolutely right and now more than ever it's important for us to have resources for caregivers where they can access them when and how it works for them especially now in time of covid when not only um, are people not going out in public as much but the cases of dementia continue to grow rapidly and that brings us to today's guest who has facilitated over 1500 support groups speaking engagements in workshops for caregivers. She is a national speaker and radio show host dedicated to the mission of caring for caregivers. Her mantra is, she is the gal who cares for caregivers with love, laughter, and lessons. We are very pleased to welcome Linda Barras. Thank you for being with us, Linda. Thanks for having me. I am so pleased that you are with us today. And I love what you do to support caregivers, and I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, today, especially about people with dementia having a purpose.
0: We all need a purpose, but especially people with dementia, and we need to help them with that.
1: Can you share with our listeners how you go about doing that?
0: Oh, sure. Well, it all first started out when I was caring for my mother. Um, My mother had dementia. My mother also had cancer. And my mom would ask me, cause I did everything for my mother, but she wanted to kind of do something for me. So she would ask me, Linda, is there anything I can do for you? And I'd say, there's some laundry there if you'd like to fold it. And she'd say, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I said, well, there's a couple of dishes in the sink if you want to wash those. I don't want to do that. But my mother was a legal secretary in the day, in the fifties. And that was a big deal to her. So what I did is, now my mom could barely read anymore. <laughs> But what I did is I went to Staples and I bought a box of 500 envelopes and I printed out 500 phony letters and 500 phony labels and just asked my mom, could she fold the letters and stuff them in the envelopes and put the the labels on them. And it took her like a week, what she used to do while she watched Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. (laughs) And when she handed it to me, she was so proud that she was able to help me with something. It was, it was unbelievable. So I just, I kept thinking about that. And the more times I met caregivers, they would say, mom's just sitting in the chair or my dad's just doing this because they don't have a purpose. And I could tell you another story. There was a, a, a woman who she came to my support group and then her mom passed away and lots of times they still come back. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. And, um, she said, you know, ever since my, my mom passed away and my dad just sits in a chair. Um, they were married for 48 years. They did everything together. She said, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. She said, I took him to the doctor and the doctor gave him an antidepressant, but he's still just sitting in the chair. I'm afraid he's going to die in the chair. I said, well, tell me some things he used to do when he was younger. Some of the things he couldn't do. But one of the things he, she told me is that he used to build these big model ships, which was too hard for him hmm. to do now. I said, do you want to try an experiment? She said, Sure. They go to the craft store. They have these wooden cards. They're about eight pieces to put together, like kids put mm-hmm. together. I said, buy a dozen and bring them home to dad and ask him if he could possibly paint these and put them together for the nursery school. Oh my goodness! Every day after that, he was waking up making his. He was making cards. He was making boats, and he was sending them to That's probably take true. care centers and <laughs> nursery schools. And I was like, oh my goodness. She said, you know, kids were sending him thank you notes and every day he had that purpose. And I said to her, oh my goodness, it must've uh, cost you a little bit of money though to do all that stuff. She said, guess what, Linda? What it cost me for the supplies was cheaper than it was for the antidepressant.
1: Absolutely. You know, it reminds me of when Mike's dad first came to live with us because um, before my mother-in-law passed away, he did a lot to help her around the house you know it was always roger do this and and roger i need that and get me this and and when he came to live with us i thought well now it's time for him to rest and he would come to the top of the stairs and he'd say what do you want me to do today and at first i'd say just sit and relax dad you don't have to do anything and one day he said to me, I can't loaf all the time. So I started off with, um, you know, he wanted to do something, but he had COPD, his breathing wasn't that great. So I got him a feather duster and I asked him, you know, to do some dusting and believe me, he dusted like crazy and he didn't necessarily move any of the knickknacks. Sometimes they'd go flying. Um, but after he did that, then he wanted something else to do. So he had this routine. Like on Monday, he would dust the upstairs. And on Tuesday, he'd dust the downstairs. And on Wednesday, he run the vacuum cleaner upstairs. And on Wednesday, the next day, and, and he had these. these it was his job. It was his job. And, you know, once he had something to do, it became very important for him to do it as quickly <laughs> as possible. So I'd wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and open my bedroom door and the feather duster or the vacuum cleaner would be sitting there on the floor waiting for me to get, you know, the, my lazy bones out of bed so he could do his job. Yeah. And he told the doctors that he cleaned the whole house all the time.
0: You're so lucky.
1: <laughs> but your suggestions yeah. of, you know, you know, you know, the letters and putting them in the envelope, I can see where that would really give somebody uh, a sense of accomplishment or putting those little t- boxes together.
2: Well, something else that you did was um, the needle, the needle point, not, not the needle point, the
1: oh, when he, he uh, hooking a rug,
2: hooking a rug. That's the, the term
1: when it reached the point where you know he wasn't walking anymore and he really was kind of stuck in a chair he still wanted yeah. something to do and you know i got him old made card games and things like that and he said those were for kids um but our daughter was expecting a baby and when i was expecting her i'd done this rug hook that she treasured for years and years and years and i thought We maybe uh, we would try that. Well, he couldn't get the hook, you know, through the holes, so I would wrap, he would wrap the yarn around the hook and I would help him pull it through. And then when we had somebody come in helping with his care, she would do it as well. Now that is a family heirloom for this, this granddaughter. Um, he started it when, before she was born and she was eight months old before it was finished, but, and he loved her. So her name was the last thing he said before he passed away. Uh, Um, but that, you know, that's something people won't won't maybe think about, you know, as something to keep somebody busy, but it, it definitely worked for him. And he was so proud of him. And we have a picture of him with the
0: baby in the rug and... Yeah. Oh, I was just, I had a care a support group yesterday when we were chatting. And one woman has her dad sorting all her photos. She has boxes of photos.
2: <laughs> I wish I would have thought exactly.
0: of that. <laughs> really. And he, so he, he remembers when he went fishing, he remembers this and he's sorting the photos and they're going to put them in albums together. And then another woman said on the support group, you know, I was thinking about what you were saying, Linda. She said, my mother used to work in a bank. So now her mom's putting the coins in the rolls. She gives her a bunch of those to do during the day and she tells her, I'll bring them to the bank tomorrow and bring you back the money. And the next day she brings her back more coins and she does it again. Yeah, I
1: understand men like to um, put, work with bolts and screws and
0: putting them- Screws. Or I say, if, if the man used to be like a car guy, let him grease up some some bolts, some joints, some pieces of the car
1: so it seems to me the the trick is to find out what they did before and somehow connect with that with an activity yeah
0: that's like i don't know if i told you the story about the lady who was a teacher and she's like 97 and her daughter says she just follows me around the house all day long long linda if she could just sit for two hours (laughs) it would make a difference so i went and i met with her mom her mom used to be a teacher so First, we talked about all the rotten kids. (laughs) Then we talked about how how underpaid the teachers are. And um, so we give mom a piece of poster board every Monday morning. We tell her that next week, the teachers are teaching the kids about flowers, mom. And the teachers really need your help. So we need you to cut all the flowers out of these magazines and glue them on the poster board. And you can't have any white spaces. And it takes her about two hours a day, five days a week, and she finishes it. And then before COVID. The daughter actually was bringing it to the school and some kids were sending her notes, um, but you know, so such a simple thing. I think we just need to take that time, you know, and take take the time, remember what they did. So people say to me sometimes, you know, somebody came to visit grandma and they just sat there with grandma because they didn't know what to say. You can go online so easily today and you could pin, print out pictures of Brooklyn if grandma was from Brooklyn. Or you could print out pictures of nurses if grandma was a nurse or a Girl Scout leader or whatever. If you have that on the table in a box, the person can just pick it up and say, Grandma, I didn't know you were a Girl Scout leader. Tell me all about that.
1: You know, and I can imagine in the family where they had uh, the person in care sorting photographs, I imagine stories came out of those photographs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. And then he gets to feel part of it, putting those in those books. And just like you say, those books will be in the family and they'll remember that grandpa put those books together.
2: But the memories that are going to come flooding back with grandpa and the stories, I know we we experienced many of those with my dad, um, stories that just came from listening to music and seeing pictures of Italy. Because, you know, he was an immigrant from Italy and that just sparked so many synapses and i learned so much not only about italy but more importantly about him and him growing up bobby and i both learned a tremendous amount
1: you know he he was extremely introverted most of the time but every now and then he would he would start to talk and tell a story and of course i didn't care what i was doing i would sit down and listen And one of my favorite stories is he was as a young boy or maybe teenager, I'm not sure, walking along uh, a lane in Italy and he saw this tree that had this delicious fruit on it and he couldn't remember what kind of fruit it was. He just knew that it was really juicy and that he wanted it and he couldn't reach it. So he picked up a, a rock and he threw it at the tree to knock a piece of fruit off the tree and it missed, and it came down, and it hit a chicken on the head and killed the chicken. (laughs) And he was terrified what to do with this chicken. So he left it alongside a haystack, hoping somebody would find it and take it home and eat it. And I hope it happened just that way. But hearing a story like that is priceless.
0: Yeah, you know, I I, I had someone interview my mother the last six months of her life. If my mother ever knew I paid for it, she would have shot me. I just told mom, it's for the fun of it, mama. The day of my mother's memorial, she brings me 10 CDs of my mother. One on her faith, one she sang all the little silly songs from when we were kids, and she remembered the words that day. And, and to have them, you know, I'm having a tough day. I put that in and my mom starts laughing. It, it's priceless. So. You know, my, my husband just passed away in October. Oh, I'm sorry. So about a year and a half ago, I told him I wanted to do some recording for him. Because all the family photos of, of, of my husband, he's like, you want to have a beer? <laughs> Let's go <home."> So, <laughs> you know, And I didn't want my grandchildren to think that's all he was. You know what I mean? <laughs> and And so since I've been with him since I'm 19, I pretty much know all the stories. But I didn't know this story. I knew he was in the Boy Scouts and his mom was the den mother, but I didn't know one time they had a play and they needed a girl and they made him dress up as a girl. They put a blonde, long wig on him. He was like 12 years old. And he was like, it was so embarrassing. I couldn't believe my mother made me do it, you know? And the person who was interviewing him said to him, did your mother have to bribe you to do that one? And he said, no. When my mother asked me to do something, I did it. What a nice thing for my grandchildren to hear.
1: (laughs) And maybe yeah. a lesson yeah. when your mother tells you to do something,
0: you do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was so cool, too, because I played it and for his brother. And his brother's sitting next to me, and he's crying because it was his brother's life, too. They had the same grandparents. They lived in the same house. They played the same stickball. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's wonderful. So I encourage anybody to do that. We all. You don't have to make a big production about it. We all have phones. We all have recorders. We have everything. That can be just a fun family project. Tell one of the grandchildren to come and say they have, a, they have to do this project for school and I have to interview you or something like that. You
1: know, uh, Mike is a drummer and drummers drum on everything. Yes. <laughs> and I recently saw somebody post on one of the caregiver websites about their husband had been a drummer and he couldn't do it anymore. And I, and I said to her, how do you know he can't do it anymore? put a, put some sticks in his hand and put some music on and see what happens. And you, you know, he started, he started tapping. Yeah. So we yeah. assume they can't, but very often they can't.
0: They don't give the opportunity.
1: Right. And I know if, if Mike developed dementia and I put it, some sticks in his hands, he would start drumming and he doesn't even need sticks.
2: <laughs> no. Linda, I got to tell you I would be remiss if I didn't say what I'm about to say. Right. I was on your website and the theme on that website is Caregiver You Are Not Alone. And that's the title, the exact title of Bobby's second book that she wrote for caregivers. I just thought that was so cool and I would be remiss if I yeah. didn't put that out Thanks there.
0: Thanks for the plug, baby. <laughs> Um. <laughs> there
2: you go feel the love
0: But it's, it's funny how we all can, we are all starting to connect all these different professionals that have been doing this in their own little towns and, and all of a sudden it's like we have this fabulous community
1: absolutely and I know that when I was doing it I was a caregiver for Mike's dad for seven years that I felt so alone and now I tell people we are an army of millions doing it one by one, 24-7, reaching out and helping, you know, having done it and heard caregivers say over and over and over again, if you haven't done it, you can't understand. Those of us who do understand and those of us who are inspired by what we lived to share that, all coming together with people like you and so many, so many people who are supporting caregivers and it becomes a greater need every single day as more and more people are affected.
0: You know, when I first started doing this, no, it, it, I couldn't even help anybody because they didn't consider themselves caregivers. Right. They were the faithful spouse, the good daughter. At least we're having that conversation now. At least we're having conversations about Alzheimer's and dementia and Parkinson's and everything. But I'll tell you, I, I've, I've been in the caregiving journey. I've been out of the caregiving journey. I've been in the caregiving journey. I've been out. I'm probably My brother's probably going to move down here from New York and he has Parkinson's. So here we are, and God always brings me <laughs> right back just to remind me of everything so that when I'm doing a support group or speaking, engaging, I'm always speaking from the and heart. And
1: one of my last um, prayers at the end of the day is always show me the path you want me to take. And yeah. often that path is long and bumpy, but I get where I need to be, and it got yeah. us here where we where we are now.
0: Exactly. Do you, do you ever see on my Facebook page my Good Morning Seminole yes, pictures? Yes, I do. So that started out, I had custody of my grandchildren. I had custody of two of my grandchildren. And I was waking up in the morning angry because I didn't understand common core math. I didn't know what an Xbox was. I couldn't find their sneakers. It was, and I'm like, "Ah, too much. And I don't wanna wake up angry. So I started getting up earlier before them. And I go out and take a walk. And I live across the street from the lake. So I go out on the dock and I say my prayers and say, God, tell me what to do today because I don't have a clue. Just leave me wherever. Mm -hmm. And then I take a picture of a flower or a duck or a sunrise and I post it on Facebook and say, good morning, Seminole. I've been doing this for, I think, seven years now. And I email it to my stepmother that lives in New York City because she lives alone. So she has an hour to get back to me so I know she's okay. And every morning she emails me back and she says, magnificent, a watercolor. (laughs) So I get kissed by her every morning. And then I separate text it to my brothers and sisters. So I think we all gotta find our joy where we can. I think caregivers, I say to them all the time, they say, mom can't do anything. Well, can mom walk? Or can you push mom in a wheelchair? Yeah. You got a camera on your phone? Yeah. Go take a walk and take some pictures. And then you start seeing more beautiful things every single day. I mean, I go out there looking for something beautiful and I find it in 15 minutes or less. No matter where I go, if it's in New York or wherever, you just gotta look for it, and I
2: <laughs> all you gotta do is be open to it,
1: yeah, you know, and that's that's you, Mike, every day, deciding it's gonna be a good day,
2: that's right,
0: well, you know, one day I was at a seminar, I was in the audience, and so people were walking by and they're going, "Good morning, Seminole, So much better than those politics, you know, and stuff like that. And there was a man sitting next to me and he was one of those vets that has the flag everywhere. You know, those guys, it's everywhere. He says, can you tell me what Good Morning Seminole is? So I tell him what it is. He turns around to his wife. He turns back to me. He goes, could you email us that picture every morning too? We're 92 and we don't get out too often. I said, sure, I could do that. What's your email? He says DNS Beach Bums at AOL. <laughs> I'm thinking that must be an old email. So I would send him the photo every morning. and Just once in a while, he would say something. And then a few months back, I got an email and the woman said, I don't know who you are, but my dad passed away. And I want to thank you for sending those pictures. Um, I want you to know that he had 11 of them framed in his office and were donating them to the library.
1: So you never know where your outreach is going to land and how many people it's going to touch.
0: And from just one little press.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if we all do that, oh my goodness, because I, you know, I say we're all the same schmoes. We, you know, we want, we want to be loved, we want our health, we want a roof over our head. You know, we may have different hobbies, we may have different interests, but basically we're exactly the same. And when you realize that we're exactly the same, you get to make a whole bunch more friends because you're not judging, you're just being open.
1: You know, the joy in the acceptance just radiates from you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. Linda, on on your website, you do a weekly tip. And it's usually about two to two and a half, maybe three minutes. And one of the ones that I found interesting, um, mostly because my dad did serious sundowning. And one of the tips that you talked about was sundowning. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners experience sundowning. Would you kind of maybe paraphrase your tip.
0: Well, I, I have recently, because that, that tip I believe was about at, when it comes to that time of the day, when the sun's going down, many times your loved ones will see shadows or you know different kinds of things and it'll make them very anxious. And I believe that when I did the tip, it was about um, the, the the two people that watch I Love Lucy movies on YouTube every afternoon. Around that time today, you know, that time of day, like to get through it. But just recently, somebody told me her um, grandmother and her mother have dance lessons every afternoon at like four o'clock. Because her mom loves music. They always love to dance. So she says we dance away the sundowners. So it's every afternoon. They do their dancing for like 45 minutes or whatever. They have a Little cheese and crackers, maybe a little wine or, you know, bubbly or whatever it is, and they dance away the sundowners. So I, th- I think if we, if we realize what sundowners is, and if our loved one has sundowners, we can plan to just make it go away almost. And you're a musical therapist, you're a music therapist, right? Yes. So you get that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I wouldn't mind every afternoon when somebody came over and danced with me. <laughs> I think that would
2: kind of be fun. Uh, There were times where we would do that in the kitchen while cooking dinner or something, and my dad would see us and he'd just shake his head. (laughs)
0: That's okay. When I went to New York last week, I I wanted to get my brother out of that chair. And I made him get up and dance with me. He danced with me. It was good. You know, the music does soothe the soul and it doesn't make you feel better. You know, I'm a pretty early riser, but occasionally I just don't want to get out of bed. And so I go, Alexa, play uptown funk.
2: And there you go. Bus, I got to
0: jump out of the bed. I got to dance.
2: There you go. She's
0: doing it right now. Alexa, stop.
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs>
2: Alexa, stop. <laughs> That's awesome right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have to have a laugh. Absolutely. No, yes. I, I, I talk to my caregivers. We do some pretty silly stuff. Absolutely. As caregivers. We think we have like these solutions or whatever. They're just crazy. Um, and the more we realize that and the more we're together with that uh, and we see somebody else is in the same boat. I, I think it makes, I, I for the people that listen to this show, please get yourself in a support group.
1: Absolutely. That um, is so important. And yeah. I've had people in the support group I lead here first six or seven years going from when they first started seeing something happening all through the entire process and a couple stay on to help the new people and the others in the group to continue sharing. Because when you hear it from somebody who's living it, it really, you know, brings it home that this is, this is something that I'm going to try. This is something I'm going to use. And that's exactly what you're doing every single day. Touching, I'm sure, thousands of people.
0: And there's lots of us out there that are doing this stuff now. Uh-huh. And with Zoom and everything, we have so many more opportunities. I'm, I'm Right now, I'm planning a huge conference uh, for November, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. It's going to be like 15 virtual sessions. We'll talk more about that. But, um, yeah, the, the information is out there. You know, when, when I first started how to do support groups on Zoom, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like that. I, I feel I have to touch the people. I want to see the people. But we had no choice, and it's kind of been cool. Yeah. Because I have my support groups now from Canada, from Illinois, from wherever. I mean, you could never get to a group. Exactly. And, And I also have going on right now, too, I have a journaling workshop. So we did three weeks in January, and then everybody loved it, so we decided to do it once a month. It's the second Monday of every month. And what's kind of cool with that is it's kind of like a journaling workshop and a support group together. So it's. It's for caregivers, and you know everybody's a caregiver. Or they, you know, what Rosalind Carter said years ago: you either have been a caregiver, you are a caregiver, you will be a caregiver. or Somebody's going to be taking care of exactly. you. Exactly. I tell everybody it's an equal opportunity employer. We're <laughs> all going to get It, it certainly mm-hmm. is. You know, if we can find the outlets and, and do that, it'll just be fabulous.
1: Okay, Linda, thank you so much for sharing, you know, great tips for caregivers and helping people find, you know, their purpose.
2: And we'll put links to your website on uh, the show website okay. um, so people can reach out and um, get to your resources.
0: Okay, my new friends, we'll talk more. We absolutely will. Thank you so
2: you much. Bet.
0: Have a delicious day. You too. Wow.
2: Thank you.
1: Well, some of those tips that she offered, you know, I love the one about cutting out the pictures and making sure there's no white spaces because, you know, that really gets uh, person's brain working to concentrate.
2: And she also said, find out or figure out what they did or what they liked to do when they were young and adapt it to now, like with getting the model cars and, and painting them. I mean, it's, it's almost too simple that you can't think of it because you're trying to make it more complex than it is.
1: Right. And we don't think that people are sitting in a chair doing nothing because they don't know what to do. And they're thinking, I can't do this anymore. And it's our job to help them figure out how they can take that and adapt it into something they can do now. And that, that more than anything, I think, is a huge takeaway from Linda today.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: You can find more information about Linda, her website, and her radio show on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby.
2: And I'm Mike.
1: And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia.
2: So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes or the Roger That Facebook page and post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. If you would like your identity to remain private, you can direct message your question on Facebook and we will answer. To find out more about us, head over to RogerThat.show. It's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that, dot, show.
1: Roger That is produced by Missing Link a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master.
2: And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies, and all those in between.
1: Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, Visit missinglink.company.